Hello, this is Robert Zyga, Deputy Editor of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. It is my pleasure to present to you the highlights of our July 2022 issue. The theme of this issue is immunogenetics for the allergy immunology clinician. And we thank editorial board members, Elizabeth Phillips and Jolanne Walter for masterfully coordinating the theme reviews and also providing an insightful editorial perspective on the many reviews. The theme issue highlights the advances in immunogenomics, the study of the genetic variation in immune responses. A better understanding of genes and immunity will help us better recognize basic mechanisms of allergic and immunologic disorders. The cover for this July issue depicted a physician juggling immunoglobulin and DNA molecules to unravel the challenging genetic basis of his patient's immunologic disorder in order to direct more optimal management. The issue contains wide-ranging reviews, including two clinical management reviews, five clinical commentary reviews, a grand rounds review, and four reviews for CME credit. To start the discussion of genetic testing for the practicing allergist or immunologist, Drs. Converse et al. in their engaging clinical management review offer practical information with case illustrations on the use of clinically available genetic platforms and how they inform management of patients with inborn errors of immunity. They emphasize the need for more education and resources for improved implementation of genetic testing. In their stimulating clinical management review, Deshpande and colleagues describe the role of T cells in drug hypersensitivity reactions, highlighting the importance of the class one MHC focusing on five critical needs to improve drug safety by implementing immunogenomics. In their comprehensive clinical commentary review, Saglagi and team illustrate the genetics involved in the complement system with four cases of complement deficiency. An enlightening grand rounds review authored by Walkovich et al. describes using the Sherlock Holmes approach and enlightening grand rounds review authored by Walkovich et al. describes using the Sherlock Holmes approach to a family kindred with warts, hypogammaglobulinemia, infections, and myeloclethexis syndrome called WINS, which was triggered by the presentation of a child with sinopulmonary infections and intermittent neutropenia. Bart Mettler and colleagues in an informative Clinical Commentary Review described the genetic, molecular, and cellular mechanisms of cancer predisposition in specific inborn errors of immunity. In an illuminating clinical commentary review, Vasaghai, Shanjani, and colleagues help us better understand the broad and complex interplay between the immune system, genetics, and atopic disease. Dr. Krantz et al., in an exciting clinical commentary review, 
demonstrate the many novel opportunities to harness accelerated immunogenomic discovery utilizing electronic health records linked to DNA biobanks, serving as a roadmap for advancing diagnosis from phenotype to genotype. In the final clinical commentary review, Dr. Pollock and colleagues provide fascinating insight on the co-evolution of killer cell immunoglobulin-like receptors with human leukocyte antigen class one and the impact of their complexity on immune function and homeostasis. We hope our readers will find the theme reviews educational and useful in juggling both immunity and genes when treating their patients. Let me now present the highlights for our original article in this July issue. First on immunodeficiency. Pham et al. reported on ocular manifestations in primary immunodeficiency disorders. It's a report from the United States Immunodeficiency Network Registry. What is already known about this topic? Certain primary immunodeficiencies, PID, are associated with particular ocular conditions, but little is known about the prevalence of and types of eye disorders in the overall PID population. What does this article add to our knowledge? Ocular disease affected more than one in every 10 subjects in the United States Immunodeficiency Network Registry, with infections, particularly conjunctivitis, being the most frequently reported disease. Blindness and visual changes was the most reported non-infection ocular complication. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Increasing awareness of ocular diseases in PID may motivate providers to include eye care in their management of patients with PID. This can promote early diagnosis and prevention of serious vision complications. Next, Labaco et al. published on BCG infection in patients with inborn errors of immunity receiving the Russian BCG strain. What is already known about this topic? BCG infection is common in certain inborn errors of immunity, but most published data describe single case reports or small case series. The complication profile of the widely used Russian BCG strain is poorly characterized. What does this article add to our knowledge? This study demonstrates the risk of BCG infection in a large group of patients with inborn errors of immunity vaccinated with the BCG Russian strain and shows low BC related mortality rate due to therapeutic strategies used after diagnosis and in the perihematopoietic stem cell transplantation period. How does this study impact current management guidelines? There is no common guideline for BCG infection prevention and treatment, and this study may substantially contribute to its development. Prophylactic antimicrobacterial therapy should be given to all BCG vaccinated patients diagnosed 
with severe combined immunodeficiency. In the countries with applied newborn screening for severe combined immunodeficiency, BCG vaccination should be withheld until the screening results become available. The next subject is angioedema. Minfra et al. reported on angioedema in their article entitled, Investigation of Mortality and Hereditary Angioedema in a Reference Center in Brazil. What is already known about this topic? Hereditary angioedema is known for mortality when not treated properly. Many advances occurred over the past decades that affected patients' lives. What does this article add to our knowledge? High mortality continues to be a reality in middle-income countries where patients have access to different diagnoses and treatment resources. Many of these lives were lost in the past decade, and most patients did not receive a diagnosis. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Mortality from laryngeal edema in patients with hereditary angioedema is similar to the sum of the 10 leading causes of death in the world. Death analysis add knowledge to the disease and its impact on patients' lives, improving the targeting of public health efforts. The next few articles are on asthma. Dakuzan et al. studied, is inhaler technique adequately assessed and reported in clinical trials of asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease therapy, a systematic review and suggested best practice checklist. What is already known about this topic? Correct use of inhaler devices is fundamental for optimal control of obstructive airways disease. Yet critical inhaler technique errors are made by approximately 90% of patients. In this randomized controlled trial setting, this may introduce misleading bias. What does this article add to our knowledge? The authors found that 88% of all randomized controlled trials in the past 10 years that addressed the efficacy of baseline and escalated inhaled therapy for asthma and COPD did not document in any published data either whether the technique was checked or the quality or frequency of inhaler technique assessed. This raises the possibility that such an assessment was afforded low priority or inadequate or omitted. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The authors propose a structure for a best practice inhaler technique assessment and reported checklist, which after appropriate validation could be used as a framework to ensure that an assessment of inhaler technique is practiced and documented as an essential element of randomized controlled trials, protocols, and publications. Next, Bond et al. studied the characterization of asthma by age of onset, a multi-database cohort study. What is already known? Differences in comorbidities by age of asthma onset have been reported, but most of these studies had modest sample sizes. 
were restricted to a single patient population and did not differentiate between adult onset and late onset asthma. What does this study add? Patient characteristics and comorbidities vary by age of asthma onset. Furthermore, the age of onset and the level of asthma control are inversely related. How will this study affect current guidelines? Because age at asthma onset helps to phenotype asthma, the age of asthma onset should be considered when assessing asthma control and asthma management. Damago et al. reported on dupilumab efficacy in steroid-dependent severe asthma by baseline oral corticosteroid dose. What is already known about this topic? Oral corticosteroids, OCS, are occasionally used to manage severe asthma, but their long-term use is associated with considerable adverse side effects. There is an important clinical need for novel OCS-sparing treatment strategies. What does this article add to our knowledge? This analysis showed the Pilimap significantly reduced the OCS dose, improved the likelihood of no longer requiring OCS, and improved clinical outcomes in patients with OCS-dependent severe asthma, receiving a lower or higher OCS dose at baseline. How does the study impact current management guidelines? The Global Initiative for Asthma, GINA, does not recommend maintenance OCS to manage severe asthma if other options are available. Dupilumab provides an effective OCS sparing treatment with a demonstrated safety profile for patients taking lower or higher OCS doses at baseline. Now an article on drug allergy. Fatki et al. reported on allergy safety events in healthcare, development and application of a classification schema based on retrospective review. What is already known about this topic? Allergy safety requires complex synchronization of many steps in the clinical care pathway. Failures in these processes can cause patients to be exposed to known allergens resulting in morbidity and mortality. What does this article add to our knowledge? This article uses safety reports to demonstrate the allergy safety pathway with key steps that protect patients from allergy-related safety events. It additionally identifies drugs and several other allergens as key safety culprits. How does this study impact current management guidelines. This study demonstrates key allergy safety hazards and culprit allergens, thus helping to guide leadership in understanding where in the clinical care pathway to focus safety efforts. We published an article on specific eosinophilic disorders by Kamak et al. entitled Novel Questionnaires for Assessing Signs and Symptoms of eosinophil esophagitis in children. What is already known about this topic? Eosinophilic esophagitis is a rare chronic inflammatory disease associated with high eosinophil count 
and a heterogeneous symptom complex that may preclude reliable self-report of symptoms in pediatric patients. Whereas treatment can reduce eosinophil levels, this reduction may not correspond with symptom experience. There are no questionnaires that can reliably and consistently assess observable eosinophilic esophagitis-related signs and symptoms across age groups. What does this article add to our knowledge? Two clinical assessment questionnaires that consider the age of patients and the heterogeneity of symptoms were developed to assess the signs and symptoms of pediatric eosinophilic esophagitis in a clinical trial setting from patients and caregivers. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The two clinical outcome assessment questionnaires can be used to assess the signs and symptoms of pediatric eosinophilic esophagitis in pediatrics patients, as well as from the perspective of caregivers of patients who may be too young to respond themselves. Our food allergy publication by Pongrassic et al. is entitled Safety of Epicutaneous Immunotherapy and Peanut Allergic Children Realize Randomized Clinical Trial Results. Realize is the title of the study. What is already known about this topic? In previous phase two and three clinical trials, epicutaneous immunotherapy with a patch containing 250 milligram peanut protein, biaskin peanut 250 milligram, was well tolerated and statistically superior to placebo in desensitizing peanut allergic children. What does this article add to our knowledge? This article provides additional information on the safety profile of epicutaneous immunotherapy with bioskin peanut 250 milligrams in a setting that approximates potential real-world use. How does the study impact current management guidelines? The safety data for bioskin peanut 250 milligrams reported herein are consistent with previous phase 2b and 3 studies, which may further support the use of epicutaneous immunotherapy as a new potential option for peanut allergy. The two final articles are on rhinitis and sinusitis. Kai et al. reported on the comparison of different biologics for treating chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps, a network analysis. What is already known about this topic? Several type 2 biologics have been shown to be safe and more effective than placebos in the treatment of chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps. However, there are no existing direct comparisons between these biologics. What does this article add to our knowledge? The results indicate that dupilumab is the most effective and safe treatment route for chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps when compared with omalizumab, mepolizumab, and benralizumab at 24 weeks of the treatment and end of follow-up. How does this study impact current management guidelines? 
Dupilumab may be the best choice when considering the biological therapy for chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps. Nevertheless, real-world evidence and head-to-head -head comparisons with longer follow-up periods are necessary to confirm these findings. Lastly, Bartusik et al. reported upon ameliorating ATP by compensating micronutritional deficiencies in immune cells, a double-blind placebo-controlled pilot study. What is already known about this topic? Iron deficiency is linked to atopic diseases, whereas an improved iron status is associated with a decreased risk. Preclinical data and one non-controlled studies suggest that whey protein beta-lactoglobulin provides micronutrients to immune cells leading to immune resilience. What does this article add to our knowledge? Evidence is given that improving the micronutritional status of immune cells seems to have a similar impact on ameliorating allergic symptoms as does specific allergen immunotherapy. In current practice, micronutritional dietary recommendations should be included. How does the study impact current management guidelines? Allergen immunotherapy is considered to be the only causative treatment option to ameliorate atopic diseases. However, providing micronutrients to immune cells seems to have similar efficacy, providing evidence that targeted micronutrition may be another causative cure against allergies. The editors of Jackie in Practice hope your clinical practices are enriched by our published article in this July issue. Be well and stay safe.